y'all. Welcome to the Claim Clinic. This is Andy Gabe. I'm your claim doctor. Today we had John Isaacson on the show. He's a long-time restorer with a lot of great insight on our industry, and we just had a really great time. But before we get into that, let's do this. All right, y'all. Andy McCabe here with Claims Delegates. There's three things you need to consider writing Xactimate estimates or finding a service like Claims Delegates to write Xactimate estimates for you. One, is it fast? Cash flow is king. The sooner you can get that invoice out there, the sooner you can get paid on that invoice. Are they accurate? No one wants to spend time going back and forth with adjusters or clients trying to argue about whether or not this scope was actually done. Did you do what you did? Did you write it down? Did you, did you document it correctly? And is it complete? Did you charge for all the things you should have charged for? Let me tell you right now, these three things work so well when you do them together. Claims Delegates is your source for writing Xactimate estimates. We write fast, we write accurate, and every single estimate we write is complete as it can be. Written by professional estimators that have been doing this for decades. I invite you to check us out, claimsdelegates.com. Take care. All right. I think we're live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Andy McCabe. You are listening or watching, depending on what peripheral you're do using here. You're watching the Claim Clinic podcast. It is my distinct pleasure to have Mr. John Isaacson here from Puyallup, Washington. Say that five times fast and then try to spell it. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah. Normally people say Puyallup. So <laughs> exactly. You, you nailed There's it. misplaced Y in there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, I am revamping, restarting, revitalizing the Claim Clinic podcast. And uh, yes. John Ike's, Isaacson came up in my various social media feeds, and I said, I got to get a hold of this guy. I got to see what, what makes this guy tick. So, John, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, uh, your background in restoration uh, up to now, and what you're doing now, and and then we'll talk about some other stuff. Okay, so this is like a job interview, the job interview version? Yeah, this is the, the short job interview version. Okay. And, and there is no job. That's a dirty secret. Okay, go ahead. I think that <laughs> there's no job. Uh, uh, I, the origin story is always of uh, uh, interest, right? I always, I do find that interesting asking people, you know, how'd you get in the industry? Because right? not very many people set out to, unless, you know, your parents owned a company or something None of us like did. That. Yeah. None of us intentionally so, got here. Yes. I was... Um, so I, we were living in Ventura, California, and I was working for a cabinet shop up in Thousand Oaks. So okay. not everybody be familiar. Way out, the, way out. So it was a, a pretty good commute, but I loved the job. When my wife got pregnant, um, we decided it would be better to try to get a job closer to home. So I got a job working for like a, a office uh, supply, like furniture, used furniture. Okay. And it was terrible. It was... Um, <laughs> It was boring work, um, you know, meaning that the people I worked with were cool, but the bosses were terrible, just like hated everybody, hated their customers, hated their people. They hated their jobs. All right. They hated, they hated their, their, their business. Okay. And, um, and so um, I was responding. I was applying to anything and everything. I think at that time I'd started going to school for criminal justice at Ventura College. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> and I answered an ad for carpet cleaning at a local service master. Ah. And so when I went in, you know, the, the boss, um, he was like, you know, we're starting up this mold remediation division. 
and we think you'd be really good at that with your background in science. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and it was, I mean, they put us in the suits, they give us the respirators and then just, you know, Hey, go strip this, go gut this house. And so nice. it okay. was, um, and, uh, and the way I promoted, I always tell people this is like, um, it's funny cause like techs in the field and I know you've got the 24 hour tech, right. To yep. get people, yep. Um, you know, doing their paperwork. At least a base level of, of something, yes. Well, but our, our whole in insurance and in property restoration, you get paid for what you document, not for what you do, right? They don't Amen, pay us a brother. cent for what Amen. we do. And so I always tell people, um, you know, if you want to promote, you got to do your paperwork um, because it's always more paperwork. It's never less paperwork. No, it's never less paperwork. And yes. so um, I did my paperwork and initially I would, do it in the field and then I'd go home and do it again. And, um, you know, oh, mate, to redo it, redo it, make sure it was just, you know, dialed in and, um, you know, I could walk and chew gum and, um, you know, we had a lot of good people working for us, but not all of them necessarily wanted, not everybody wants to, you know, promote, you know, some people are very, very happy working in the field and, and thankfully so, you know. Right. Um, we, we need both. We need both types of people. We need people who are entrepreneurial and want to grow and, yeah. and, and, and get promoted and move up the ladder. But we also need people that are just happy to come in and do good work and, yeah. and then go home and shut off their brain. So, yeah. yeah there's both. I, I realize more and more now that initial, my boss at the time um, was a man named Denis. He's Canadian. Huh? <laughs> so um, I hold that against him, but nobody else can. <laughs> And, um, and, uh, great person. And, um, you know, as a leader, he showed me what he did. Right. And then allowed me to try some of my own stuff and to fail in a safe way, you know, and, and to kind of branch out. And when was, was this, uh, early two thousands? When was this? Yeah, I think, I think I started 2000 is either 2001 or 2002. Okay. Um, somewhere yeah. in there. And, yeah. We uh, started uh, right about the same time. You were down in Arizona? Uh, no, no. I started out in Portland, Oregon, 1999. But yeah, right in there. Okay. With a service master as well? or No, I, service master was later on. Okay. Uh, I got gotcha. I, did, I did work for, you're right. I did work for a service master in Scottsdale. So, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, so, yeah. So, so that kind of started. Um, I got my degree in criminal justice. Those doors weren't opening. Mm. And I really enjoyed restoration. You know, I enjoy that something new every day. And um I kept getting opportunities to promote. Um, so I, you know, I worked my way up there and then I went to Portland. Um, I worked for a short stint with Kennedy in Portland. That's Who a are good, you? good old school company. Yeah. I yeah. worked for Dow Columbia and oh, okay. uh, Dow Columbia oh. and Kennedy started roughly about the same time in Portland. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I worked. Old, old school, uh, ASCR type stuff um, yeah. <laughs> before they are RIA. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I worked with them and then I went to work for a construction company in Salem um, to kind of start a, they had dipped their toe in insurance work and really wanted to kind of, you know, everybody thinks there's great money and, you know, dry outs looks, and stuff like it that. It looks like great, easy money from the outside, yep. doesn't it? And uh, for me, that was my first challenge of working for a company that was independent, you know, and so trying to attack that and I found, you know, there's, you can make more money. You can still work for insurance companies if you're not on the program and you can still make pretty decent money and you actually have a little bit more leverage, <laughs> yes. just, you know, not the volume. So, um, and, but, uh, but you make more on that lower volume than you do yeah. 
you know, yeah. going broke uh, yeah. fast. So, yep. And so uh, did that. Just so you know it, what I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm opening up Xactimate in the background here so we can talk about that a little bit later oh. here. So there okay. we go. Okay. It's open. Minimize it. Then I went to, went to work for myself. The economy crashed. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 2010, I went to work for Belfour and, um, and uh, worked with them in, for in Eugene? quite a few years. Eugene, yep. Okay. Yeah, the office is actually in Springfield, but yep, you know, yep, yep. same thing um, in a lot of ways. And then, there. Uh, I love, I love having an Oregon guy here. I mean, you, there you go. Yeah, I will. We'll just gloss over the fact you started in California, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna well, call you an Oregon guy. You're you're a Beaver fan, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So when we first moved to Oregon, we went from Ventura, California, which is paradise. It's on the beach, just south oh, of yeah. Santa Barbara, you know, seven degrees year round. And, um, and then we moved to Albany. <laughs> Ooh. And so, which is Ooh, Albany, oh. not, um, not disparaging Albany. It was a great place for us. Uh, just very, very different than Ventura. And California. if you like the smell of sulfur, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and they had shut down the paper factory, you know, but there was still some off burning or something. So every now and again, you get a whiff of it. But yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah. I, I, I actually, yeah. I grew up in, um, are you familiar with Moses Lake, Washington? East I know Washington. Moses Lake. Yeah, yeah. So we have a beet factory out there. And when okay. they burn the rotten beets, you know, every month or so, it's all through town. It smells like, um, like, uh, it's like birthday cake, but sour like sour birthday cake or chocolate cake or something that like sounds that. sounds wonderful. So it's funny how, you know, you know certain areas by their smells. By the right? smells, so, yes. Camas, Washington, Albany is all the paper mills. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know Ben Jesson, uh, if since you were out there in Moses Lake? Or was he no, there? So, well, when I was in, I, I graduated um, and I went to California. I still had no idea this industry even existed. Right. So, All right. Okay. Um, what their JRCC, right? Just right. And yep, um, yep. so I, I really had no idea that that even was a thing. Um, so I don't, I, I remember the justice and name in town, but I don't okay. remember him specifically. I think he's got family there. I think that's, that's what's yeah. going on. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's, not digress. Okay, so we're fast forwarding all the way to now. You're in Puyallup, Washington. Yep. You're working for uh, an asbestos abatement company. Yes, sir. Uh, but you're still connected to the industry. You're still writing uh, scopes uh, for your abatements in Xactimate. Yeah. 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 So the the company does large scale abatements. Um, yep. You know, big schools and government projects and those kinds of things. So those. You know, we don't write an Xactimate. They've got their own way of writing them. Right. Um, you know, abatement traditionally is heavy in the summer. That's when schools are down and those mm -hmm. kind of things. Mm -hmm. You can get in there and do that. And so we but want that to market is going away, isn't it? I mean, because there's only so much left. Or I, no? I can remember in 2001, my, you know, my boss and I were like, man, we should get into asbestos abatement. But it's, it, I mean, you're working yourself out of a job in theory, right? But right. it's still, still, it's still there. And I, I got to believe the way they're talking about like silica sand and fiberglass and all these other things, there's, there's going to be a next asbestos. It's going to be a nest. So. Yeah. I, and I think silica, uh, silica just might be that. I think silica is, well, is the nest, next asbestos. So just as a side note, personal note, there's a little bit of rabbit trail. I'll try to keep it short. They show you the videos of asbestos, right? They're in the factories. 
there's crap in the air. Nobody's wearing respirators. There's no dust suppression. There's no water, right? And so we say, oh, they were terrible back then. Well, you go by a construction site and somebody's cutting concrete, right? Just a big old cloud. No respirator, no dust suppression, no water. So I don't, we just haven't learned from our mistakes in the past. I, it would be very interesting, asbestos is a unique you know, component, but had we had environmental controls in place when they were mining it and, and processing it, you know, we may not have affected as many people as we did. And, exactly. and as long as we continue to do that without any kind of you know, PPE and environmental controls, I mean, I was talking to somebody, I was, at, I was picking up some coffee and they're saying there's instances where people have coffee in their lungs, you know, where like um, not at roasters, but large scale, no kidding. Um, you know, process. So anything in dust, gross amounts, you know, is, is, is not good for you. you know? Yeah. Imagine that every, you know, so, things, things at extreme amounts are not good for you. Huh? So maybe just, we'll become coffee abaters or something. I just, I, Hey, I've got a friend <laughs> that does, uh, he does dry ice blasting at, yeah. A, a large scale roastery in Portland at their oh, wow. at their factory. I mean, whatever you call it. Yeah. But he dry ice blasts under containment all the residue that gets on the walls and stuff. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. he he does it once a week. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What a cool, cool environment, there. though, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, and I just read. Uh, you know, speaking of things that that we should know that are bad for us. I just read that daylight savings time is, is killing us. <laughs> now, how long have we been doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doesn't so, quite make sense. Yeah. As long as there's stupidity and ignorance in the world, we will have job security. I love it. Yeah. So the, the exactimate that's more on our residential side. So, you know, I still get a partner with uh, property restoration companies okay. and property managers and those kinds of things and assist them with abatement and um, good. So let's talk about that. You wrote, uh, you've got an ebook out there that we will link up to uh, for the listeners and watchers. Uh, the yeah. Ten Commandments of Exactimate Estimating. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Ten Commandments of Exactimate Estimating Success. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> prestigious <about> author. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, yes. Well, similar. I mean, you know, we we've talked before, but. Um, like, uh, so I think I wrote that as an article, released it with um, Restoration Remediation Magazine. Uh-huh. And I think I was looking through, it must have been earlier this year, and it was one of the most popular articles. There's one in their top 10 yeah. uh, of 2018. And I was thinking about it, and it's so crazy. Um, I mean, we just, in property restoration, they just released one about um, burnout, right? Like, and it's all industries, right? Yes. When you're, when you have to be, you know, the 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 jack of all, master of none, um, and that was, I mean, prior to the recession, right? In construction, you had guys that were your flat work guys never did, you know, your foundation for Mm-mm. concrete. Mm-mm. You had guys that you had your the guy would set the siding, and a whole different crew would come behind and do the caulking. You know, yeah. like we specialized in, in these industries. And when the recession hit, it wiped that out, right? You had to yeah. be uh, in the same in property restoration. You had to, you used to have your fire department, your bio department, your water department, your mold department, the recession, you now do everything, you know? Yeah. Guess what? And, Here's another yeah. couple of hats. Yep. And so, um, so that uh, when I was looking at the Xactimate 
there's a lot of people that get thrown into estimating or project management. You know, somebody quits yes. and we're not yes. able to hire somebody. So, Hey, you're the estimator now. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and better go take a class. Well, yeah, maybe, but two, you have like the people that hoard information, right? Cause they're scared uh, of losing their jobs. And uh -huh. so they don't share anything. Uh -huh. And then you have the other people that are just so damn busy. You know, it's like, I would love to train you. I don't have time. You I know, don't have time. And yeah, um, I worked in an environment. Uh, one of my stints uh, at a restoration company in Portland, that uh, we had different pods, right? I, okay. I had I handled an American Family and another carrier, yep. and yeah, nationwide. Somebody else, blah blah blah. But I went across the hall to a, you know a, another pod, and asked that guy because he was really really good. Exactly. Hey, do you, can you show me how to do this? And he said, and his words, I'll never forget. He's like, well, I can't give you all my secrets. Oh, jeez. And we're, we're at the same company. Same company. Yeah. Same office. Yeah, but yeah. they, they're je just jealously hold yeah. the, the information like, yeah. like that it's going to do like, well, it, whenever I hear something, give me something, it's going to take something away from them somehow. Whenever I hear something like that, though, I, it always did. Were you ever able to ask him like why he thinks that? Like somebody no. must have bit him hard, you know? Maybe. Like I don't think people necessarily arrive at that. Um, whether maybe it happened to him directly or saw it happen to somebody else, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily believe people arrive at that just out of the blue. You know, probably not. Um, he, but now he's working for Belfour, so I think he's he's probably less happy than he was then but it's a scarcity versus scarcity versus abundance mentality and and that's a big reason why i'm doing this right yeah what do yeah. i get out of this yeah. yeah you know one or two people might realize that i write exactly made estimates and they might call me yeah 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 but what i'm putting out there is just i need i need the industry to be better we need the industry to be yes. better yeah yeah how do we do that just give value Educate, educate, educate. Right, right, right. And the rising tide will float all boats. So well, let's, that was the the book was it's you know if you read it it's um, it's a very basic overview but it's pretty astounding how many people you know whether they weren't trained or and that's a it, there's lack of training right that leads to negative outcomes and then there's lack of effort mm. and so I'm trying to help maybe those guys with the lack of training you know got it. Because uh, lack of effort, you can't you can't train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go into that. Once you, uh, I'm gonna highlight you here. Here we go. Boom. You, you've got. Uh, once you start talking, you're gonna have the focus. So, give us give us the the, the ten commandments or the top five commandments of exact made estimating. Uh, the ten commandments. Um, you know, I don't have it in front of me. Um, well, one one of them was thou shalt have a good sketch, right? Okay. Yep. Yep. So the basics. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, everything starts with the sketch. I think you and I talked about, um, with your, your 24 hour tech, right? We had a period of time. Uh, it was kind of a fluke in Eugene where, um, uh, pipes froze. We call it like the three, four year freeze. Right? Yes. It, and we Eugene's, get, we're going to have one this year too. Well, Ben, Ben usually gets that a little heavier, but Eugene is, um, it's pretty temperate, right? We don't get super cold. Yeah. And, we had pipes bursting everywhere. So our techs were just, you know, flying. And so myself and, and my, um, my partner, David, the two of us that wrote the majority of our mitigation estimates, 
um, we had to streamline it to, I mean, our guys were working insane hours, you know, and right. then we had some large projects at some of the universities. And so it was like, if you can get us a good sketch and photos and just even a summary, we can write a pretty, we can do the rest, pretty That's accurate it. estimate based off of that. Right. Yeah. That's a 24 hour so, tech in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so, um, so that's the, you know, getting your sketch, getting your photos, you can't document and, or, you know, the, the nice thing about digital photos is, you know, you can't take too many photos, right? Yeah. And that's your support. And so the other part would be, you know, F9 notes. It's mm -hmm. amazing. I think you're a big believer in this too, but you're telling a story, right? So your opening statement should start to, you know, uh, start that narrative, right? Here's, and especially yes. if you're working for people outside of insurance and still using Xactimate, your opening statement gives them an overview. They're going to look at your opening statement. Okay, that makes sense. It tells me what you're doing. And then they're going to look at your dollar amount, right? Yes. If those two yes. things align, you know, you're, you're probably going to be okay. You're going to skip right to the end. Now, do you, do you advocate putting the, uh, the total in the opening statement? Uh, I think, so when I worked at Belfour, they did, I'm trying to think at some of the other companies. Um, because that was, that was my thing is they're going to read the opening statement and then they're going to skip 40 pages and go right to the end. Yeah. <laughs> to see the number. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Why just, just put the, let's number, just put the, the number up front. It's almost your cover letter, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. your cover letter. You should be able to read an opening statement <laughs> and understand what this loss was yes. about. I agree. Yeah. It should not be a surprise. You know, right. so let's, let's say you don't have the, your, grand total in your opening statement when they go through that estimate and they get to that final number that final number should not be a surprise right right if you've framed it correctly in your opening statement is that, well, is that what's, what you're getting what's yeah and what's your hashtag the thickest file wins thickest right file wins baby yeah, so exactly. you know that that that's that documentation part so yeah yeah i think i would be um i'm trying to remember i think a lot of them would and i think that's a value and especially to if you have um, clients outside of insurance and you're offering any kind of a discount, right? You know, have that spelled out. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think your opening statement tells the story for people in insurance. They're going to look through it. Then your F nine notes becomes really important. You know, Absolutely. Cause if the line item doesn't cover what you're trying to address, you know, exactly. It's good for, you know, just your everyday run of the mill loss. Right. But yes. it, it's, uh, it gets challenging when you're high end homes or commercial structures or something out of the ordinary. Yes. It's um, you've got to, so now you've got to find a way to communicate with that adjuster or claims reviewer. This is why I'm doing this, you know, and, and even yeah. better, that's one of the commandments is call the friggin' adjuster, you know? <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation and not, at the time of billing when they're trying to hack you, but yes. you know, before you do it, before. call them and say, Hey, you know, this is your client and they have this high end, whatever it is. And so we believe the best way to approach it is this way. Do you agree? And if they say yes, then, you know, what is your name and what is the date of the conversation? And that should mm. be a draft nine note. Right. And, uh. Uh, and if they don't agree, then same should go in. We advocated for X, adjuster so-and-so told us no and uh, that's why three weeks later they have mold behind that cabinet you know so yeah uh, I told you so and you know you know I've had so much experience where if you've set it up correctly if you've you've laid the groundwork with this type of open communication 
you do find, you know, let's say that happens and, and you pull the cabinet and there's mold there. The gesture says, oh, okay, rip yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. There's no fight there. There's no, well, why didn't you dry it right? Right. You know, why didn't you do, you know, because uh, yeah. you've, you've, you've inoculated, you've inoculated through your documentation. Yeah. 100%. We had one, we had one that wasn't even insurances for a property management company. We went out to the job site and I mean, literally cat three, like floaties on the floor, Ooh, right? Floaties. So we told the onsite guy, we're like, dude, we've got a flood cut. Like this isn't even an option. No, no, no. Let's just dry it out. We're like, mm, we're not putting fans. You know, we'll put a dehue away from the area so that we're pulling some kind of moisture. What's your name? And so, and it, communication is key for everything and documentation, right? So mm. I was working with a younger estimator that was fairly new to the program. I said, you got to make sure you document, document, document. And so we get a call the next day from the regional manager, just livid. Why didn't you cut walls out? You know, there was, you know, poop on the floor. Like you guys are idiots and da, 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 da. And you so, had to say, Hey, you're dude. You're so dude. Ex excuse me. John Smith uh, yep. on, you know, last yep. Thursday at 4 PM. Yeah. Yep. And it was beautiful. He goes, Oh, hang on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you right back. And so call he calls, right we get a call from the, the property manager and he's like, oh, could you guys come out and clean the walls? Can we go, are you available to come out and help me? Yeah, perfect. And, you, that and was, we do it and there's no, I told you so. It's just, no. okay. all right, it is what it is. Well, and then the beautiful thing moving forward is you clarify the expectations of the regional manager, right? And so now every job moving forward where there's that condition, you can say, I got to tell you, last time we did this for X, you know, yep. like you said, John Smith, your regional manager expects this to happen. Yes. You know, so we need to move forward. Oh, that, that's what John Smith expects. Yeah. We just did it at this property, Boom. you know, call this guy and he'll confirm it. No, no, no. If you've talked to John Smith, go for it. We're good. You know? Yes. And so let's and not kick that hornet's nest. Yeah. Well, and that's just the beauty of communication and documentation and, and clarifying. It's crazy. I'm not a big fan of phone calls. I hate phone calls and, right. and voicemails and things like that when you can do it with the text and email, but you got to know your customer, right? And so, and that's one of the conversations. I don't remember if that's one of the 10 commands, but communication is key. And so, you know, documenting your expectations and talking to your customer, what do you expect? You know, and the larger the project and the more stakeholders, the more important communication is, you know? Yeah. I'm looking at, uh, I can't say where exactly I'm going next week, but I'm, I'm looking at going into some storm damaged, let's call them storm damaged homes, yeah. uh, where the rebuild cost prior to the storm was $1,700 a square foot. Oh, wow. This is not going to be normal. Wow. The, the communications to all the stakeholders is going to be at a, such a higher level than, than anything else. Right, because we're we're yeah. talking about people who own stuff. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm not gonna get an adjuster that's sitting behind a desk. I'm gonna get a get adjuster that's uh, hopefully knows what they're talking about. And right. This guy's gonna come in and and he, they're going to expect this higher level of documentation. Right. Expect this higher level of communication about everything. Um, now, do I understand correctly? Like with Matterport, what you guys are doing, um, you're going to, you posted a couple of videos where you're going to, there's no structure there and you're able to rebuild it. Yeah. Through. What I, what I saw, um, that has less to do with Matterport than, than, um, drones and other things. 
Oh wow. Um, so yeah, Matterport's pretty useless when the when there's no home layer when to look at. There's nothing there. Sure, sure. The, what I posted was my recreation through interviews and inferences and photos. Essentially, it was all I had, and then a footprint of the house and a Google. You know, you can go back in Google Satellite yep. and go and, yep. and see yep. what was there from the top down. Uh, but those were the fires from two years ago in California, wow. and I just posted to... those because because I. Yeah, so you know what? We're going through it again. Let's let's get some of that consulting because I like that type of consulting. I like that oh, forensic. Yeah. The, there's not literally nothing to nothing see. Nothing there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was able to at least the ones I posted. You know, some of not all of them were as pretty as those ones I posted. Sure. of course. Yep. But I was able to recreate it in Xactimate and then take that Xactimate model and superimpose it onto the property as I saw it from my drone and it it fit perfectly like a puzzle. And I was like, okay, that's Isn't that cool. Yeah. We did good. We did good yeah. on that one. It yeah. was, uh, but no, that Matterport is a different animal. Matterport is very, very useful, but you've got to have something to see. You just got to be something there. I have a friend of mine that's an independent adjuster, but he also flips houses and mm. um, he uses Matterport for his like, um, you know, the virtual walkthroughs and everything like that. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Good, you know, side note here, Matterport, what they're trying to do, is build a virtual copy of the world. There's there's a book or an article in Wired magazine called Mirror Mirror World. The theory is everything in reality is going to have a digital counterpart. And if you have a digital counterpart for every dwelling, every house, every office building, it makes it changes how underwriting is done. Oh. And it okay. changes how estimating is done, right? Okay. So if, if we're talking big data stuff, big, big yeah. data, if the carriers have access to this house, this room, your room, right? The room, the basement you're in before they even insure you, they're going to be, be able to quantify any loss you may or may not have in that house down to a very, very detailed point. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's where it's going is let's digitize everything right now. Yeah. It's every, we're, we're digitizing after the fact. So that's that's what people don't understand is is Matterport doesn't necessarily want to cater to the real estate agent market. Sure. Right? That's not what it's about. It's about the data they're capturing. Yeah, that's the bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. Shoot. Huh. Gigantic. Yeah. yeah. Something like this. This room was 150 feet across by 70 feet tall or some something like that. Wow. Hotel Dell in in uh, California. Oh cool. And it was captured uh, captured using Matterport, but I was able to have Matterport create this in Matterport created a 3D rendering in Xactimate, an ESX file based on my Matterport scan. Wow. And it would have taken me a full week. I know a full week just to put this into Xactimate and I had yeah. it in a day. Yeah. So an hour and a half to scan it, a day waiting for them to process it. And I had a, a true to life Xactimate sketch based on this this type of stuff that's where that's where matterport's going to change our industry uh dojo do do your own job dojo tell me about that what is what is that so i've had that for a while i've just recently been a lot more intentional about branding it and i think sure. kind of got um a better idea of what that means but that the biggest thing is like a credit to the people that I've learned from, you know, that uh, supervisor that I was talking about, Dennis, uh, Denis, mm -hmm. <laughs> my wife's dad um, taught me a lot about concrete. When I proposed to my wife, he said, I'm doing a concrete pour tomorrow. You're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, which was awesome. You know, it's, it's so funny in, in property restoration, we respond to chaos, right? Yes. Yes. But, 
but we don't have to be chaotic, you know, mm. like there's, there's a process, right? We can handle this. We've been there before, right? right. Like touchdown celebrations, right? You've been there before. Like, yep. whereas concrete, you're working against a product that's literally set to go off. There's, there's two guarantees in concrete. It will get hard and it will crack, you know, so <laughs> you're working on it to get it, you know, down, get it flat, get it set. And then tell, you're trying to tell it with your expansion joints where to crack, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that was a really good experience. So I love that, you know, you get yelled at a lot when you're doing concrete, not because it's like, we got to go. And, um, you know, thankfully I I've been blessed with some really good teachers and mentors along the way. And so I think a lot of that is just, man, we, we hire good people. Right. Mm. And then too often, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we just treat them like crap. You know, yeah. and, and, and part of that burnout is just whether you're just not thinking about it or not caring about it, it's kind of the same outcome, right? Mm. And so um, you can wow. either. Wow. I'm going to write that down right there. You can burn people out, you know, whether you're intentionally or unintentionally doing it. And it's just, you know, whether if you're not putting any thought into it, then you're, ba you're creating the same environment. So, and I think to the other part of it is teamwork, teamwork. There's a lot of misnomers about teamwork. Teamwork is not this idea of kumbaya. We all come together and we're this one big team. Okay. Teamwork is I do my job and I do it well and I represent our team well. You do your job, you do it well, and you represent our team well. Uh, and at a time when you need help or I need help, we say, all right, let's collaborate. You know, it's not, I mean, I don't need to be in your business day in and day out, right? I don't yeah. need to know what you're doing or what, you know, it's cool. Like, like you said, being able to go across the hall and say, hey, man, I need some help with this. Mm -hmm. And that person is saying, sweet, you know, let me, uh, can you give me five minutes so I can wrap this up? Or, you know, hey, could we meet tomorrow morning? You know, that's kind of more of the respect aspect of it. And I do think it's important to build, you know, an environment where people are working together. But the most important thing you can do for your team is your job. Mm. And mm -hmm. if everybody were doing their job and not worrying about, well, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that, like, why the hell do you care or even know? Like, right. if you were busy doing your job, you wouldn't have time for drama. Like, you wouldn't <laughs> even know. I don't care what Andy's doing. I've got this to do, you know? And not in a schedule, yes. Yeah, not in a disrespectful way, right? Like, I trust you, expect you're doing your job. If you need help, give me a call. And otherwise, boom, I'm, I'm over doing my thing. And not, uh, I think some people think that has a negative connotation, but it's the healthiest thing that a team can do is just do your job. You know? Do your job. Do it well. Without Unfortunately, I think recently um, that's been attributed to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So Patriots <laughs> about that, but he didn't, he didn't start it, nor did I. You know, it's not a new concept. It sounds a whole lot like uh, Simon Sinek to me. Have you read okay. uh, any of his stuff? Some here and there. So uh, for all y'all out there listening and, and watching, uh, Leaders Eat Last, phenomenal book. New book, The Infinite Game. Let me go grab that. Recommended reading time here. This uh, The Infinite Game, Simon Sinek. Uh, start With Why, of course, is, is just- That's what he got popular for, right? Yeah, and it's, it's still, I mean, just the basic truth of it is, is, is universal. Yeah. Uh, and he's taken- uh, he's essentially taken Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last and made it into a really good book. I'm not all the way through it yet. 
a lot of it has to do with uh, abundance versus scarcity, right? You're, you, there's either yeah. there's no there's no people that that are somewhat abundant mentality and somewhat scarcity mentality. You're either you either are or you're not. There's no winning at life. Yeah. So so life is an infinite game, and business is an infinite game. The yeah. the, the game of business never stops. Sure. So there's no there's no time, right? There's no fourth quarter into the fourth quarter over. What's the score? Who won? Right. And no one ever, one of my favorite quotes from this book is no one ever is a reigning champion of careers, right? There's no such thing. There's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we approach business and we approach our careers with that finite game mindset. Like, oh, there's going to be an loss. end here and I can either win or I can either lose it. Yeah. The goal of the infinite game is to keep playing. So anyway, that's side note. Great book. Yeah. You've got, uh, you've got some videos out there. You plan on doing some more? Um, yeah. What's yeah. your what's your plan with uh, the Diojo? What's the URL? What's the domain? What's uh, you the can. Address? I've I've got it now. It's the Diojo. T h e d y o j o dot com. So the, you've got um, a couple good videos. You've got um you've got the Ten Commandment ebook that I highly recommend everyone go there right now. Actually, listen to the rest of this and then go there. Yeah. And download it. Yeah, the videos. Um, I've always enjoyed writing, and um, you know, it's like for me, that's it's not an energy drain. It's more of an energy add. I process my thoughts and stuff like that. I enjoy doing it. The videos. Uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine, um, Greg. He has he does a lot of online stuff. He's starting up a podcast too. I think he's calling it Unplugged. Okay. Uh, with, with Greg Power and uh, more on some of the base level online tips and things like that, but. Um, he was like, man, you should create the content's really good in his opinion. And he goes, you should create some videos. And I think a lot of kind of the same conclusions you've arrived to right? the videos. It's easier to digest, right. And, and yes. for people to get out there. And so I've just been for a long time. It's awkward, right? It's awkward getting in front of a camera and thinking like, yeah, oh yeah, people want to see or listen to me, you know, but there's two things that stand out in my mind when it comes to like content. So you mentioned Simon Sinek, there's a Seth Godin. Seth Godin is a very, yes. Yeah. uh, And just a real practical thinker. But he said, if you want to write, write every day, right? The people that are worried about whether their stuff is good or not are the people that aren't writing, you know? So if you get it out there, you can fix it. You can make it better. Right. So if you you want to be an author, you got to write, write and and write every day. Yes. Well, and Stephen King had a quote. He was like, if you want to be an author, there's two things you got to do. You got to write and you got to read, you know, (laughs) it's like, I mean, we make it more complex than it is, right? Exactly. It's that, exactly. write and read. And yeah. then the other one was, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Uh, I took my daughter to a concert for Andy Mineo. He, we did the, you know, pay to see him before. It was in Portland. And someone asked him, he's like, you know, hey, I'm a rapper. Like, what do I got to do to be, you know, get, get better and get where you are? And he repeated the thing. He's like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an overnight success 10 years in the making, right? So there's always. Yeah, Seth that's Godin not, says uh, it takes five years of really hard work to become an overnight success. Yeah, but, it's yeah. not a new quote. But then he said, he goes, he, he said kind of the same thing. Get it out there. And the market will tell you whether it's good or not. If people yeah. aren't listening, it's not good. You know, not I'm not good. saying that to be a jerk. It just means you need to go back and tweak it and find a way to connect, you know. But don't let that stop you from putting more out there. Right, right. Well, I was going to say, uh, Seth's thing too was like the tribe, like a thousand people, right? Yep. You know, and yep. I've heard that with insurance agents too. That's the first benchmark to making decent money is like 1,200 clients, you know. Ah, uh, yep. You know, so, I mean, there's those metrics and other things, but one of my most watched videos and most hated videos is one of my worst videos. Yeah. In your opinion, right? 
No, no, and actually public opinion, but oh. I, it's still there. So what, what happened is I used to record every video in the car, and I still do a lot of recording in the car because that's when I have the time. Right, right. But this particular instance, I didn't realize it. I had mounted the camera, and I didn't have a, a lavalier mic at the time, mounted the camera on the HVAC, on the air conditioning vent. Oh, okay. But the vent was on low, so I didn't really know it. So I couldn't hear it. But the, oh man, the audio, the audio is, is terrible. Bad. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I talked There's for five a, minutes. <laughs> but I leave it up there. And yeah. I to remind myself, you know what, this is, that was probably crap. Uh, yeah. Need to be, speaking of intentionality, right? You got to be intentional. You got to yeah. think through these things because I wasn't thinking, but I do care. Right, yeah. Back to your quote. I love that quote. I'm going to, we're going to refine that and we're going to put that out there. It's going to be a meme. Okay. Uh, but the, the string of people that have said over the last four years, it's been up on YouTube for four years. What's up? Roll up your window, roll up your window because I think <laughs> windows now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no one has commented that, that, oh yeah, what, whatever, what you were saying was wrong. You were off oh, base on what gotcha. you were saying. Right. Just they the just quality. want to complain about something. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. leave it up there. I leave it. I mean, there's, I mean, there's got to be 10,000 views of that video. What we put out to the world, 100% of it is not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be lucky if 10% of it is good. Yeah. The rest may be crap, but doesn't mean we shouldn't put it out there. Well, that's the thing too. Like a lot of it is like your vision of success or what you want to accomplish, right? And like the same thing that 10 commandments of, of exactimate success, right? It's not for everybody. You're, you're probably not going to get very much out of reading it, right? I don't Other know. Than, I, like, I, I did though. I mean, I, I did. It's, there's some stuff that it, it helps to remind me of, I mean, I, this is something I do for a living and there were some things that I just got lazy on. So yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. Whereas like, uh, you know, I, I do, I mean, there's plenty of people that just either people are too busy or just, there's not a, a process in place to help people. And you go, you mentioned the classes and like for two days, a guy wants to brag about drawing spiral staircases and complex roofs. And it's everybody <laughs> right. kind of bragging so about the most complex roof that they drew. And it's like, come on. Like this is helping nobody. I made it 15 years in my career without drawing a spiral staircase in exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, and two on those complex roofs, right? That's not something you're going to do in house. So, you, you know, no. really you got to get a specialist out there to say, hey, to treat these valleys, we got to do X, X, and X. And, you know, unfortunately, that's probably one of those scenarios where you have to just uh, bite the bullet on the ten and ten, unless you, you know, have a consulting fee or something like that. You know, some yeah. other way of doing it. But we've got we've got the technology now. We've got the. I, I fully believe that that guys like you and I, let's say the prototypical project manager estimator, is going to go out to the field and and develop Xactimate sketches and and stuff. Um, I think we're dying. I, th I think we're dead men walking. We're, we're dinosaurs yeah. because the technology is going to progress to the point where sure. this Matterport camera I have, which is, you know, you know, 15 pounds and size of a couple of my size 14s, right? That's going to be about this big and it's going to be flying and it's going to be autonomous. Yeah. We're, I, I fully believe within the next five years, we're going to walk into the house and say, hey, we're, I'm here to do my scan. We're going to open a box and this thing's going to and then fly through the house come back five minutes later, go into its box, and then I'm going to open my email. I'm going to have my sketch and my estimate. Well, if you're thinking beyond that, though, I mean, if uh, there, what, there's talks of Amazon and Bezos getting into insurance, they'll probably just deliver the drone or it'll fly to the house and do that. Right. We, we, 
I mean, right. the insurance companies, that's the, the TPA thing. I mean, they're not just phasing contractors out. They're phasing their own adjusters. They're out, phasing right? adjusters out for sure. Yeah. Look in the at, auto, in the auto, how many commercials like, just take a video of your car. We'll send you a check. You know, it's like, Oh, that captured everything. So <laughs> obviously they're getting an initial checkout. Right. And then you yes. take it to the body shop and, and then it goes through that whole role. But um, yeah, adjusters yeah. are dying breeds too. I mean, there's we had a claim that's got to be. It had to have been let's see, 2015 or so. The the carrier had the insured do like a FaceTime and just kind of you know video the room and wrote a check based on that. Well, that's then, what Exactimate's trying to do with their what they call it. They call it something, but that's what Exactware's. They've got that adjuster connect. The desk yeah. adjuster connects with the homeowner via the smartphone. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. No moisture readings. No, you know, <laughs> uh, it'll yeah. dry. It'll dry. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be fine. You had mold before. Come on. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, John. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with next. And, uh, you know, I'm here for you. Let's, uh, let's, uh, get as much information out there to the, to the world yeah. as we can and, and help, help this industry. I've, I've got a passion for this industry. I can tell that you do as well. What, what do you want to leave people with? What do you want people thinking about going into this next era? I think we all feel like there's something else. We're about, things are about to get really weird. What do you want people thinking about as we go into the next phase of, you know, it's called Restoration 3.0 at this point or, or sure. something like that? Or whatever. Yeah, I think someone posted that on LinkedIn is like, you know, what's uh, for even like the next year, what's the, the emphasis? And like at, at, even as far as technology advances, people are always still going to be a part of the equation, you yes. know? And I think the companies, so the, many companies functions are just going to change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our functionality will change. And so the companies that are doing really well, intentionally developing their processes for their people mm. that flows to your customers, right? Like business is two things. You need happy customers and you need to be profitable, right? And so many companies focus on the profitability aspect and it's mm. essential. I'm not downplaying it, but you lose that. Like when you're training your people, they need to know, make a customer happy, right? Yes. There's, yes. Uh, I think Zappos has been one of those. They just like, they tell their people solve the problem, right? Like we've uh, brought you in, we've trained you, we've developed you, you know what our culture is, solve the problem at the point of, of, of the issue, not upstream it or anything like that. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see so far they're still sustainable and they're making gobs of money, you know, and, uh, and I know there's other companies that are doing the same. And even Bezos, I heard an interview with him. He said, uh, you know, so many companies want to focus on what's changing. We try to focus on what's not changing at Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's people are always going to want more selection. They're going to want it faster and they're faster want it and cheaper. cheaper. Yes. You know, so you know, you can, you can get yourself so tied up in what's changing. You know, it is a good exercise. To go, well, what's not changing? Same thing for our customers, right? right. They, I mean, unfortunately, they want it cheaper. They want it faster. So doubling down on investing in your people, you know, and that, that needs to go from, I feel like, you know, people like us that are out in the field at the time when we were working for companies is like, you know, you've got you've to get work for your people. Your people want to stay busy, right? Yes. You know, they want to feed their families. And right. so- and that's good for your company too, you know? So I think uh, as things change, I think people will continue to be best investment and, and the most important one, you know? So whatever you feel the changes are, you know, double down on your intentionality with developing your culture and your environment and your people. And it may mean, you know, you run leaner and meaner, right, but right. even more so important to have the right people 
in the right spots. The right people. Oh, and there's so many, so many good books on that. Yeah, yep. great. Yep. Uh, built to last. Uh, just it's it's about the people on the bus. Yep. Before you decide where the bus is going, and, and yep. too many of us are going. Well, we're going to be the best in the industry. We're going to be incredibly profitable. We're going to make all this money. Well, that's where the bus is going. Yes. That's, not, that's less important than, yeah. than who you're traveling with and who's on that bus. So uh, I agree 100. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we, you and I could go on and on. So we're we're gonna stop. We're gonna stop now. We're gonna uh, have a follow up. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do a follow up about six months to see see what changed and what didn't. Um, once again, I really appreciate you having you having you on. Yeah. And uh, for all y'all out there, we will make sure that you know how to get a hold of John. Uh, have a great day. Do some good work. And there you uh, go. Take care of each other. Yep. Keep doing good things, man.